Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to The Couple's Corner. We're Carrie and Stephen, a husband and wife, and this is our little section of the internet where we talk about all things that interest us and hope that you like to listen. I'm Carrie. I'm Stephen. Let's get this rodeo kicked off. Today we're going to mix things up a little bit, and we're going to be talking about the lovely topic of video games. Uh, we've got a little bit of ground to cover here. Uh, we'll be covering some memories. Uh, we're going to go over our top 10 games of all time. So we're going to be moving through some of this stuff fairly quickly. Uh, we're still going to try to give you guys enough meat here, but we don't want this to be four hours long. So we are just going to jump right into it. For our first topic, we are going to discuss our first consoles and how we got into games. I will go first, my, because mine actually coincide with each other. I think yours are a little bit different, but mine go together. The very first console I ever had that was 100% mine was a PlayStation 1, the original. Before that, I had played my mother's Nintendo. Uh, they had a Super Nintendo. I had a Game Boy. So I've always I've played video games as long as I can remember, but I think I was 7 or 8, and I got the PlayStation 1 for Christmas. Uh, it came with it was Crash Bandicoot 3, Spiral the Dragon 1, and the original Gran Turismo. And that was like my first console ever that was mine. It was 100% mine. And that really got the bug started and made me just a hardcore gamer after that. Okay, so which did you prefer, though, Crash or Spyro? I, I've i always liked Crash Bandicoot a little bit more. I still love Spyro. I love... I, I love Crash Bandicoot is kind of like a 3D Mario. Spyro, I I like Crash better as a mascot. Spyro, I think, did a better job of being something new. Crash Bandicoot is essentially kind of like you took uh, uh, Mario 64 and uh, and just made it 3D. It's your very typical, straightforward platformer. It just happens to be in 3D instead of 2D. Spyro, while it is still a, platform, a 3D platformer, because of his wings and stuff... You, it was it was more dimensional. Like you, you could you had to fly up to certain areas. You had to glide down to certain areas. Oh, you had that little so, extra. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, even though it was still a platformer, I think it was something interesting. But I still preferred Crash to Spyro for some reason. And then after that, I would go to flea markets. I would go to yard sales anywhere I could get a good deal on a game. NBA games, uh, things like NBA ninety seven or ninety eight, something like that. Um, I loved that game, too, because I've, I've always loved basketball. And uh, that one was kind of cute with its effects because whatever the announcers said, they would do it literally. So if you would throw a, a brick shot, the ball would literally turn into a brick. <laughs> or if you if you were on a roll and the announcer was like, he's on fire, you, your character would like be on fire like oh, a, a Ghost Rider or something. So I always liked that. Um, I had the hockey equivalent. I don't remember the year, but it was essentially the same game, but for hockey, because I also love hockey. Um, and then I just gradually, you know, any time I could afford a game from there. Another big one for me was uh, the original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, because we are old, and we are from that generation. And I remember when I was a kid, or again, around like the 8 to 10 range, that was... It. Like, everybody was into the X Games and Tony Hawk and skateboarding and rollerblading and biking and, and all that. Extreme. So it, it, was a, it was a good time to be a, a rambunctious kid with not a lot of money. So, so that, that is my first console and how I got into gaming. They coincide. So what about you? Well, the first console I ever owned on my own, like 100% mine, 
was an Xbox 360. Mm. Uh, but that is not the first one I obviously ever played. Uh, we played a lot of Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. and we had a Sega. I remember I played Aladdin on there. I can never beat that game. It was, it was that game, that was one. I, I love old consoles, and their games are, are uh, iconic and all that. But they were, some of them were so hard. Like, I don't know if that was on purpose or if that was just the limitations of consoles Aladdin. back then. Hard. Yeah, they, they were platformers that were extremely difficult to beat. I, I When I was growing up, I don't know anybody, any of my friends, that ever beat a game. Nowadays, people beat games all the time. Most people, unless they just hate it, don't leave a game unfinished. Back when I was a kid, I remember having a stack of games that I never completed just because they were too hard. Me and my friends would just take a crack at them over and over on weekends and stuff, and we could just never beat them. But so. see, maybe you're playing different games because, like, <clears throat> we would play, like, Mario, Super Mario World, or Yoshi's Island, or the Donkey Kong games. Like, we could beat those. Took me a while. I was little. But, or Street Fighter. Super Street Fighter 2. Mm -hmm. I love that game. So, yeah, the, my first console I ever played was probably the Super Nintendo. But the first one I actually ever owned was an Xbox 360. And I literally only bought it so I could get Resident Evil 6. Yeah. Mm. Oh, will you please tell them the Skyrim story? Not the Skyrim Please. <laughs> okay, well, I went to GameStop. Did you, first, to set the scene, you were you never played an RPG. You weren't an RPG no, person. No, the only modern games I'd ever played at that point, mm -hmm. and it wasn't even really that modern at the time. It was still like 10, wait, 2000. Yeah, it was about five, six years old, was Resident Evil 4. And I mm -hmm. played it on the Wii, because yeah. that's what we had. Well, and it's also, it's not an RPG. It's a straightforward kind of action show. Right. So, when I got the Xbox... The guy told me that it came with Skyrim. And he's like, trust me, you're going to want this bundle. Skyrim's amazing. And he even looked at me kind of funny. Because I'm like, yeah, I don't know what Skyrim is. And he could just tell, like, I like, I have so who is this cave woman? <laughs> so I take it. And it's, and I, I take the bundle. And I take it home. And obviously, I played Resident Evil 6 first. Oh, God. But obviously, that's what I bought the whole system for. Hmm. So then I'm bored one day. And I'm like, might as well give this a shot, right? So I'm playing Skyrim. It's epic. I love it. And I'm so used to old games, and they're smaller. They're not anything like the games we play today. Oh. I literally thought the whole game was Whiterun. <laughs> I did not think. And I don't know why, because obviously you go to Riften before you go to Whiterun. But I thought once you got to Whiterun, that was it. Like, this is your sandbox. This is all you got to have. Oh. And I was still really impressed with that. Because <laughs> all I played I, was I, vintage games. Yeah, I bet your mind was blown when you... Uh, went to the map and saw that there was more than the city. And I could go places. I didn't like, have to switch oh discs. Because I played the GameCube and with Resident mm. Evil 1, you know, you have to switch discs. Yeah. I didn't have to switch discs. Yeah, you're just like, holy shit, there's a whole world here. I, my mind was blown. <laughs> I had so much fun and I played that game. God, I'm still playing that game now on the Switch. So like, mm. Well, that's because Skyrim is a great game. Like, it is one, it's a perfect, once you've beaten it, it is a perfect pick up and play. It, it's like a comfort food type game. It is. It's, you can... Uh, you can pick it up, walk around, clear a dungeon, explore a cave or whatever, and still have kill fun. an hour or two. Just but have fun, put it down. Yeah. All right. I guess we will roll right along into our second topic. This should get interesting. Top ten games of all time. Okay. I wish we had music for that, but I will. Just, dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> um, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna briefly go over each game. And we will uh, go back and forth. Uh, I'll start with my number one, where it's not necessarily a straight one to ten. One is my favorite, but uh, th these are just the order they came Mine's in. Mine's not so. that way, so. Well, that's fine. Okay, so I will go first. My number one, this would come to no surprise to anyone who actually knows me, is the original Bioshock. That is the first game that really got me hardcore into game and seeking out games with stories 
because up until that point, I was kind of playing more generic platform action type games. And Bioshock was the first game, and I played it under the right circumstances. I didn't know anything about it. I had heard a little bit that it was good, and, you know, they always put the Game of the Year logo feces on the cover. But other than that, I just I saw it. It was uh, in the greatest hits thing, so it was like $20, and I, was, and I said, oh, I'll try it. And as soon as I beat that game, it was the first time I ever just set the controller down and was like, that was a an experience. The everything from the world, I love the steampunk underwater kind of setting, I love the story, I love the vintage 50s music, uh, I love the themes that the, the story addresses. I still play this at least once mm -hmm. a year. I, I, play, I have probably played Bioshock more than I have played any game in my entire life. I have probably played it from start to finish at least 13 or 14 times, if not more. Um, because it's one of those games that once you know how to beat it, you can kind of run through it in six to eight-ish hours. So yeah, at least a couple times a year I'll pop it in and play Just talking about it now makes me want to play it after we get done recording this because that's, that's just how it is. And I think good games are kind of like good movies. As soon as you finish it, or, or talk about it or think about it, you kind of are like, I want to play it again. You know, kind of like with a good movie. You're like, I don't want to watch it again. So, yeah. So, that, that's mine. So, what is your number one? Again, mine aren't, any, and fine. aren't in any order. Yeah. So, uh, recently, I was lucky enough to get a physical copy of the Super Mario 3D All-Stars. that mm -hmm. has, like, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. It was the very first game that I ever beat on my own. It was my older brother's console. I didn't actually own it, obviously. Uh, but I played it when he was at school out with his friends. And Tiff, my little sister used to sit beside me. And like I'd make Mario talk to her while I would play. And even to this day, I'm afraid to go swimming in <laughs> video games because of that fish in the big little island that would swallow well, also, you. Also, remember in video games until quite recently, I would say the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 generation, until then, you couldn't swim in games. Uh, most game, I don't know if it was just where they had so, so much trouble rendering water or what, but up until very recently, like the last maybe 10 years, um, water was instant death in video games. If you touch the water, your character just instantly See, died. Mario 64 didn't do that. Maybe it was ahead of Maybe time. it was one of the first games where but, it's like, no, people can swim. But it does, it always freaked me out because that first time that fish swallowed me, I was, I couldn't go back <laughs> to that world. I'm like, nope, no. So I, I really love that game. I have a lot of good memories. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's one that I can. I can beat now in about two to three hours. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the game. So that's my number first one. one. All right, moving along. My number two, another one that will come as no surprise to anyone who actually knows me, is the 2018 God of War. I played the original three uh, God of War games. I never got around to playing any of the spinoffs or the portable ones. But I, I loved them. They were great. They were a more, I always thought the story was good, but they were a more hack and slash combat style game. Uh, by the time we get to the sort of soft reboot, God of War 4, God of War 2018, whatever you want to call it, again, it was an experience more than it was just a game. Um, I'm a, I'm huge into the Norse setting. I yes. love Vikings. I love Norse mythology. Woo. I love that world. So... When I heard that Kratos was going to be in that world, that alone had me interested. Then Kratos was always one of those sort of one-track, kind of one-dimensional characters where he just he wanted revenge and 
that was it. He was trying to get revenge for his family, and that was it. In uh, the 2018 God of War, they actually found a way to take that character and mature him and give him more of a purpose, more of a story arc, um, make him a more well-rounded person. Again, the graphics were stunning. Um, I have a PS4 Pro, and we have a 4K TV. And on the Don't ultra settings, <laughs> on the ultra settings, that is one of the most beautiful just video games I've ever seen. And th between that, I loved Atreus. Um, I know when most people heard that Kratos was going to have a son, they kind of tagged along. A lot of people thought, "Great, this is going to be like every shitty." Uh, escort mission on an RPG. This is going to suck. But they found a way to do it so right where um, Atreus can do and think for himself. Uh, he can actually help you out in uh, certain aspects of combat. Uh, so he never feels like you're, you're babysitting or constantly looking after him. It always feels like he can take care of himself. I love the story. I love um, sort of the... I wouldn't call it a twist ending, but I love the surprise that comes at the ending, which... Spoiler alert, if you haven't played it by now, what is wrong with you? But uh, at the end, you find out that Atreus is Loki. His mother wanted to name him Loki when he was born, and so he is essentially Loki. So I, And then at the end of the game, you get a little tease of Thor. So I am giddy as a schoolgirl and cannot wait to see what they do on the next God of War game. I, I hope it'll be as good as this one. If it's better, I will have to play it wearing a diaper because I will shit myself. So that is my number two. <clears throat> um, I just realized that in my list, I'm kind of doing all the retro ones first. My next one would be Donkey Kong Country 2. I love all the Donkey Kong games, like the retro ones, the modern ones. I love them all. Uh, but number two has always remained my favorite because I love, I love Dixie and I love Diddy. They're my favorite characters but not only is it just fun to play and it's a good platformer that's not too hard that it actually responds well but for the time rare created something stunning you don't have to like the donkey kong games but if you like stack them up to other games that came out at the time you cannot deny that they are visually beautiful mm -hmm. i mean obviously not now but um not only that it, it's fun it's another one of those games like when i grab my 3ds this is the game i go to and it's just so much fun. My only problem is if I start it, I can't just beat a level or two. I have to, like, beat two or three worlds. <laughs> yeah. So it gets addictive, and it's hard for me to turn off. But I, I love it. I always have such good memories. Yeah, so mine would be Donkey Kong Country 2. Cool. All right, moving along. My number three is The Witcher 3. To this day, it is still my favorite RPG of all time. I love Skyrim. I love The Elder Scrolls. Um, there are a whole bunch of great RPGs. A couple of them are on my list coming up. But Witcher 3 is my favorite world. Geralt is one of my favorite uh, video game protagonists. I love the setting. I love how every uh, sort of little part of the country you go to feels different, um, feels unique. I, I thought the DLC was great, the uh, Blood and Wine DLC. You could give that to someone who's never played that before and tell them that was the whole game, and they would believe you. Like, the, the DLC Blood and Wine is as big, if not bigger, than the game itself, which is it's amazing. Huge. The story for that is great. I, I, I love the, the lore, I think, is interesting. The, the concept of Witchers themselves are great. Um, and it's just a fun world to explore. 
sometimes in Skyrim uh, or other RPGs, it, it gets a little repetitive. The dungeons end up feeling the same. Some of the caves end up feeling the same. To me, on Witcher 3, every time I explored a new area, it always felt different. It always felt unique. You know, it, and it's just a fun game to explore and run around with. Since we both have Witcher 3 on here, I'll just go ahead and, and like say yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. But also, I love, it's so immersive. When I pop the disc into the PS4, like, you're no longer here. You're in Novigrad, and you're mm. battling monsters with your silver sword and all your potions. Like, you're not on the couch or in your bed anymore. You're there. Mm -hmm. And what I also really like about this one is the side quests. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Skyrim. It's on my list. But after a while, it's just fetch quests. Mm -hmm. But at least in The Witcher 3, they all have, like, backstories. Like, yes, the monster. Go kill the monster. Come back. Get the reward. But you talk to the people, and you get the backstory, and it's killed some people, and so you have to rescue So it all feels like it's real. Like, it's not just go to this cave. I lost this item. Get it back and bring it to me. Here's your money. The end. So that's that, something that I That was loved. something I loved about it, too, is a lot of times the story behind some of the side quests are more interesting than the main quest on other games. Yes. And I, I think that's a really well done thing is if you can make the side quest more interesting than a game by itself. I think that's awesome. I don't know if it's where it was like based off a book first. Maybe that's why the world just feels so yeah. immersive and, and real. Yeah. Like it could um, be that I think that's a lot of a lot of it is where they have this rich book series to uh, build from. I think it lends itself to a lot of great lore. It does. And, it really uh, does. Line. So so that's your number three. Yeah. All right, moving along. My number four, a probably the most recent game on here, just came out a couple of months ago, is Ghost of Tsushima. This one really blew me away. There are so many samurai games um, throughout the years that when I first heard like the rumblings of this and saw some early gameplay stuff, I was like, eh, it looks cool, but yeah, here's another generic samurai game. Um, but the more I saw it, it looked interesting, so I decided to give it a shot. And I'm so glad I did. It is a gorgeous game. Uh, again, just like with The Witcher 3 or a well-done RPG, the characters feel great. The the story feels great. It's one of the few games on PS4 that I have platinumed. So I have 100% of the trophies because it, it was just that fun. It was something that I wanted to keep playing, that I wanted to get the trophies, that I wanted to actively seek out the achievements. Um, I love the, uh, the, the level of customization between... Uh, the different gear you can wear, the different uh, charms that you can equip to kind of suit your play style. And I love when games do that. I love when a game doesn't force you to play it one way, which I think is important. That's another thing Witcher did well. Is in any of these RPGs where you can't create your own character, I like it when they give you enough customization between gear and stats or whatever to make the character feel like your own. That's something Ghost of Tsushima does well. That's something Witcher 3 does well. Oh, yeah. To where you and a friend can both have the game and you've got the same character, but based on how you play and the armor you choose and the weapons or the magic you use or whatever, your build can feel very different to your friend's build. Oh, yeah, because our builds are totally mm -hmm. different. And that's I think that's a really good uh, sign of a good RPG uh, when you can't create your own character. I think it's nice to have that level of customization. So that's my number four. I guess I'll go with Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. It's actually a newer game on my list. Mm -hmm. This one for me was a grower. I hated it. Yeah, I remember you. At first. I died. I'd walk around, and there was like a little pathetic peon boss, and it killed me. Like, one day. <laughs> and I wanted to throw my Switch out a window and scream, 
bloody murder into the heavens. But for some reason, I just couldn't stop playing. Plus, uh, you know, I didn't want to waste the money. You know, $60, you know, for a game is kind of a lot. So, but the more I played, the more I started to like it. And then before I knew it, I couldn't stop playing it. And when I wasn't playing it, I was thinking about playing it. From crafting every single recipe to hoarding bomb arrows. That's hoarding those bomb arrows. <laughs> and finding the master sword. I loved the game. I couldn't stop until I explored every nook and cranny. Mm. I loved that once you're in the world, you know, loading screens and nothing. Which is nice. I love when games do that. I like, I hope we go more that way. So that was something that really helped build the immersion. Now, the only critique I have about this game is the side quests kind of suck. That's something a lot of RPGs struggle with, is making the side quests interesting and not just turning them into generic fetch quests. Well, a lot of this was stupid. Like, I had to go find some crickets. I had to bake an apple for someone. It's like, can't bake your own apple, people. Come yeah. on. But besides for that little nitpick, this game was fun. I loved it. Cool. All right, moving on. My number five, something that I would imagine would be on a lot of people's lists, is the first Last of Us. Again, just like Bioshock, I think this game was probably the biggest experience I felt since Bioshock. Um, just the emotional core of this story between Joel and Ellie, the character arcs that they go through um, are great. The game doesn't pussyfoot around. You start out immediately, again, spoiler alert, with the death of Joel's daughter, and you're like, wow, where are we going from here? And then you get into this whole relationship with him and this sort of new surrogate daughter type role with Ellie. And Ellie, I think, is one of the best video game characters of all time. Um, just something between her her attitude and her rambunctiousness. and But there is a heart under there. And she's just a very likable uh, character. And I think their relationship dynamic is great. I love the... Um, sort of ambiguous ending where they leave it up to your interpretation of whether or not what Joel did was right or wrong. Um, I, I think that's ballsy for a game. A lot of games, a lot of stories in general don't have the guts to do that and take those kind of risks with the characters or with the story and want to force feed you a, these guys are clearly the good guys, these guys are clearly the like bad guys type. And I, I don't like that. I think that's one of the reasons why the um, second one didn't work for me. I won't really go into it here. But uh, I, I didn't, and I ended up not caring too much for The Last of Us Part Two. but that does not detract from how great the original is to me. I can still play the original, I still love the characters, I still love the story. I'm remaining hopeful for the show that is coming out. Um, it's being written by the guy that wrote uh, Chernobyl, which is a show that we both love. So I have hope, I'm trying to not get my hopes up too high, but we'll see where that goes. So that is my number five. Okay, well, my next one. I'm going to go ahead and say this one. That way you can tell when I'm done. Uh, I think this is on every gamer's list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is my next game on my list. <laughs> That's so. what I'm going to say. Even now, this game still has a loyal following. following. Oh, yeah, yeah. On YouTube, there's still people out there modding this game, playing mm -hmm. this game. Um, and this came out, what, 2011? Uh, yeah, November 2011. Yep. And everyone, it's still to this day, is like the best thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. But what's so good about Skyrim is that the world really is your oyster here. You can put skills into certain play styles and just fill up the whole skill tree, or you can just not put any skills there at all and move on to the next one. You want to do only magic? Go for it. You want to uh, do archery? You know what? You don't need any points in one-handed or two-handed. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Yeah, that, that was a point I made because Skyrim is my number six. 
Um, that's another thing I loved about it is in Oblivion, which I loved and is still a great game, um, you were very pigeonholed right from the start and you had to, uh, before we let you leave the tutorial area, you had to pick your five main skills that you wanted to invest in and only leveling up those would level up your overall character. So you had to either know what you wanted to be before starting or play a little bit and then restart the game once you decided what you wanted and do that, which, which is a little bit of a pain. Yeah. In Skyrim, you just create a character, all the skills will ultimately level you up, and you can really tailor it to how you want to play. You don't have to decide, oh, I want to be a melee type person, I want to be a magic type person. You, you can, you know, you can oh. do whatever you want, and you can switch on the fly. If you want to play a quarter of the game as a mage and then switch to an axe or whatever, you can't. You, you don't have to have to start the whole game over and rebuild your character because you want to use a different weapon or a different skill set. And I, I, that's one thing that Skyrim definitely has over its predecessor is that ability. Or if you wanted to be like me, you could have several different playthroughs. One you use only like melee weapons, mm -hmm. one you use... Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing a lot of people do. Um, you have access to the mods, which um, is great that uh, this game is still loved so much by the community that this, you know, almost a decade later, we're still getting great mods. Holy crap, it will be a that, decade next um, year. Mm -hmm, that, you know, increase the longevity and let you play in different ways. So I, I think that's a very good thing. Yep. So, what's your next one? I guess I'll go with, and I'm going to catch flack from you on this one. <laughs> Sims, and I say all the Sims in general because I'm mm. not going to talk about each one separately. But Don't like, blame. I've put more hours into this game than I care to admit, or mm. games, I should say, because I've played two, three, and four. I've played the DS, 3DS games, the Game Boy Advance games. Like, I, I've played them all. Uh, I love them, I love the whole franchise. Uh, not just the main computer games, but I actually really like the ones that came out in the 2000s that actually had like plots. But it's so much fun to create sims and figure out fun. This is going to sound horrible of me. But it's so fun to create different sims and find creative ways to kill them. Or <laughs> make really stupid sims and then watch how they try to kill themselves and trying to keep them alive. It's, it's hilarious. It's very, it's a good game to get lost in quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of fun. Cool. Alright, moving on. My number seven is Resident Evil 7. Uh, I'm going to catch flack from you on this uh -huh. because, in my opinion, this is the best Resident Evil game. And you're wrong. Right. Um, I never really got into the Resident Evil games the first go out. I didn't play uh, the first one. I didn't play the fourth one or any of the ones before that until um, we after we got together. I remember the first one I played was actually five, and I rented it from a video store because that those existed back then. And... Um, I remember all I'd heard was how awesome Resident Evil was, and so I finally decided to play it, and I really was not a fan, and so I was like, man, I really just do not get this, and it wasn't until after we got together and I saw, oh, you know, the, the older games are better than, than that, um, but in my opinion, Resident Evil 7 is what the series needs to be. I think horror games work better as a first-person survival horror as opposed to something like uh, just a generic uh, shooter that happens to have zombies in it. I think it's more suspenseful. I think it's more frightening. I love the story of this one. I love the family, and it reminds me so much of the family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now that, yes. I, I, thought, I thought it was great. I could have easily seen this one being a movie. Um, really, the only part 
that um, I would count as a negative is I didn't care too much for that little section toward the end when you go out on the boat. Oh, yeah. out that always felt like it really drug on for me, and I don't think we needed it. I think you could have removed that section, and uh, the game would have been tired for it. But True, other than that... But- Resident Evil games are notorious for having like three sections mm-hmm. if you go to three different places. So, yeah, so. but um, but yeah, other than that, I uh, really have no complaints. I, I think it's a great step in the new direction they need to be taking, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with eight. So so that's my number seven. Okay, so first off, even though it's terrible, Chris punching that boulder is now iconic. Do you know how many memes there yeah, are? Yeah, but see, that? that's where you lost me. Is but come when you're, on, yeah, when you're he's Chris. When you're punching a boulder, that you, you've lost me. And also, I just want to say that yes, while Resident Evil Seven is a great game, I do not feel like it is a Resident Evil game. If that makes sense. Well, On yes, own, I agree with you. Fantastic survival horror, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with you, but I think that's what they were going for. I think after, I think with five and especially six, they oh, had God. kind of jumped the shark. So I think they were. It's almost. It feels like a soft reboot. And I think they were trying to experiment and see, can we make this work without our established characters, without our established lore? Can we do something different, and will people still be on board with it? I think that's why, if you've seen in the trailers for 8, it looks more like a mix. It, it looks like... And Chris is back. Yeah, it looks like sort of the fundamentals of 7, but they're bringing back the classic Resident Evil that we know, which I think is smart. I think that's the, that's the yeah. right way to go. But I think you needed this for the fresh air. I think if they had just made another Resident Evil 6, I think the franchise would honestly have started dying out because I, I just don't think it would have worked. Though so the remakes are doing really well. Now, well, at least two did. We'll leave three alone. Yeah. It's too short. But now, anyway, here is the real best Resident Evil game mm-hmm. of all time. So this is your, what, number seven? I guess. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not really having order. You're all official with it. And I just got like bullet points. Okay. Resident Evil 4. This is the game that got me into, like, gaming. Okay, so we were traveling down to visit our old home place after we'd moved. And we stopped at a Walmart. And so I, we had a Wii at the time. And I, yeah, I know I'm Wii. I know you hate Wiis. But I saw this game in the clearance bin for five bucks. And I'm like, this looks awesome. I love this kind of stuff. Five bucks, I can't go wrong. So I begged my dad to get it for me. And he did. When I got home, I was I played that game for so long. I was sore because it's the Wii, right? So you got to move. Yeah. I was so sore. I could not stop playing that game. Um, it's just, it, it's the best of survival horror with high octane action. And mm. plus it has Leon. And you can never go wrong with Leon. Everybody loves Leon. Everyone loves Leon. All right, moving along. My number eight. This was a big one for me. I am a huge, huge Star Wars nerd. And we have been bereft of good Star Wars games for years. So when we got to uh, Jedi Fallen Order, I that is easily in like my top three, if not my top favorite Star Wars game. Uh, since the original Battlefront uh, 2 that came out in 2005. Um, I love the story and where it all fits in the saga. While the films of the prequels ended up being kind of disappointing, that's a topic for another video, we won't go into that, there is a lot of lucrative storytelling to be done around the Clone Wars and around um, the sort of Order 66 where the Jedi were wiped out and all that. So to get uh, Cal as a great character, 
Um, and I, I, I love his story and how he's kind of in hiding now, and then he gets brought out. I would have loved to have seen this as a Star Wars movie, but um, but just the story is so great. Um, I love you could go to these different planets and explore. That's another one that I platinum. I love that you could make your own uh, lightsaber hilt and use different blade colors. Like it, it was the Star Wars game uh, that we needed, and I love it so much. It's one I need to replay again. Um, but it, it is just so good. I would love to get some DLC for it. But yeah, I, I have, I honestly have no complaints really that I can think of. Um, a couple little technical glitches here and there, but uh, easily a nine, nine point five out of ten game if you're a star wars fan you probably already own it but if you don't pick it up it, it's definitely worth it i just like playing with the lightsaber everybody loves the lightsaber <laughs> so that was my number eight okay well now we're gonna finish resident evil the original because <laughs> obviously after playing resident evil 4 and falling head over heels in love i had to go back and play all the games i could oh yeah and the easiest one to snag was the original and mm. sadly i have still never played the original two i have played all the other ones yeah it's just hard to find. But I loved this one almost as much as I love RE4. Uh, the hardest part of this one for me, and you're going to laugh because you know it's true, I'm a game hoarder. Uh -huh. When it comes to stuff in the game, I can't leave it. Yeah. So I have to pick everything the, up. You are the person that every single time you play Skyrim or which or any RPG where there's a inventory wait, three seconds into the game, you are over-encumbered. And then if you sell all that junk off, Two minutes later, you're over encumbered. I have to make money. Yeah. But, so my problem with this game is, is it has item slots, right? Mm. And if you play Jill, there's six. And if you play Chris, there's four. So as you can imagine, I was making lots of useless trips for herbs and ammo and the lighter and the broken shotgun from, from where I found it back to the item box. I did so much of that. But this, especially the GameCube remake, because I have played both, this was amazing. It's so atmospheric, and it's creepy. I know you hate the fixed camera angles, and, you know, to each their own, but it adds to the element of feeling trapped. Mm. You're kind of clunky, so it, it, it's more like I, I you're do give there. You that. It, it, does, it, it does also increase your, uh, your kind of panic yes. because you do feel... Because you never know, uh-oh, what's, what's around, around this corner. If, yeah, if it's I, I a will... zombie or a crimson head, I don't have to find aim. I can't shoot it. It's going to get me. So. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But yeah, so Resident Evil, the original. All right. Just a couple more now. On to my number nine, we are at Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, while I'm not a giant Western fan, I do love me a good Wild West story. I love the original Red Dead Redemption for PS3, but Red Dead Redemption 2 I thought was an improvement in every way. Um, I, I love the online that comes with it. I play a lot with my brother. Um, while it's fun, I, it's definitely got its problems, but just talking about the single-player game, uh, another great RPG, it is so intricate, and there's so much to do. There's just so many nice little touches, um, and you, you, if you go get your hair cut or your beard trimmed, it will actually grow out. There's dynamic weather. There's all this stuff that just adds to... The detail of this world. You've got the horse ball shrinkage. Someone who makes more money than we'll ever make combined got paid to animate horse ball shrinking. And we're in the wrong line of work. I know, right? And I just I loved it. Like that that was another one of those games that I got and just played until I, I beat it. I loved the character of Arthur, even though, again, spoiler, Arthur doesn't make it, which I was kind of expecting because he this is uh, even though it's a sequel, it takes place before the first one, so it's technically a prequel. And obviously, Arthur is not in the first one. 
So I knew something was going to happen to him somewhere, but it was still punched you right in the gut when it happens. The characters that are, are around John and all of those, they, they just, they're so much, they're, they're fleshed out so much more. It just, it was a great, great game. Again, if you like Westerns, if you loved the first one, easy, easy pickup. So that is my number nine. And I guess I'll go with my number nine so we can, you can dovetail off your number 10. Okay. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, that's my number 10 and final yeah. one. So. Well, obviously, visually, this mm-hmm. game is top notch. It is gorgeous. It is one of the most beautiful yes. games I've ever seen. I loved the technological future, but the, the robots being animalistic looking. So you got this, and the people are living primitive, so you got this future past story going on. It brings up a lot of debate about technology and about the good of it versus the bad of it. I just, I loved the story. I thought they did such a great job of making Aloy a strong female character who wasn't a Mary Sue that didn't have to, you know, overreach to make up for her lack of character. Like, she's she's strong, but she's real. But she's she not real. also, because sometimes when they're trying to make strong female characters, I think they go not like a Mary Sue, but they, like, she's the best thing ever. No one will ever touch her. Like, they yeah. go too far. I like that she's badass, mm-hmm. but she's not too over the top. She's not a Mary Sue. Like she is, she's actually like a real mm-hmm. strong female character, yeah. not just like a placeholder. Yeah, like you, here we, you, you root for list. her. You can see her um, conflict. You can see you just you can sympathize with her. You can really connect with her, and I think that's a really really good thing they've done. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I love the dystopian feel. And so that that's my ten. And so now your last one is retro because I've noticed I like a lot of retro games. Mm-hmm. Okay, this game, Super Mario World. Ooh, yes. Yeah, it means more to me now than it ever did before. This game, Pac Man and Tetris for hours. I could fall asleep watching him play Tetris because that music is so soothing. Like, psh, don't even. But this game in particular. I'd watch him for so long that eventually I got good enough that he'd be Mario and I'd be Luigi and we just take it because there's often in the game, in the world, there's like two separate paths you can go on Mm -hmm. and I got good enough to where he could take one path and I could take the other and we could just, we could beat the game in an afternoon Mm -hmm. and it would just be so much fun because we just sit there and we did the star world and all the secret levels, the switches it's just these jumps and landing on the right spot and stuff is so important. Yeah, so many of the old platformers do it poorly, and it's hard to do that. You know? It is. It's not like Donkey Kong. It's still actually kind of passable. This one looks bad. Mm-hmm. But it's still so much fun. I'm sitting back in my bedroom or sitting back in my dad's den, and we're just playing this game, and no cares in the world. I'm not an adult anymore. And I guess nothing just beats the family enough nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so nice about video games is they do they take you back to being a kid. You know? They do. All right, so those are our top ten games. We're going to move on to another hotly debated topic: favorite video game consoles. The controversial, controversial topic. So if we do get any comments on this, let's try to be civil. Please don't attack people for liking one system or disliking another. I'll go first. It, it's. The most recent console, but to me, it's it's my favorite, at least of the ones I've owned, and that is the PlayStation 4. I um, While there have been some negatives of this generation, the biggest one for me is this whole microtransaction, oh, pay-to-win type thing we're getting. Uh, that's why I think my favorite games from just this generation have been single-player offline games, because I think when they're focused on that, they are masterpieces. So I think there's been enough in this generation good to outweigh the bad, for me at least. 
know, you can join these communities of like-minded people talking about games and sharing screenshots and, and all that. Um, I, I love the look and design of the console. I love the, it it's pretty. still my favorite controller of all time. Um, I just I, I just like everything about it, and it's my favorite of the ones I've owned, followed closely by the PlayStation Three. So, what would yours be? See, I thought about this ever since you said this would be something you wanted to talk about. And I have thought, and I thought, and uh -huh. I thought, and I still can't pick a favorite console. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying that because I don't want to like offend anyone. Mm -hmm. I really can't. Yeah, but that's boring for a video. So if you had to pick one knee-jerk reaction, the one you just enjoyed, but it doesn't have to be <laughs> the best, but just to you, what has been your favorite but console that you've owned? I've only ever owned two consoles. So which one of those two is your favorite? I prefer the Switch to the Xbox. Okay, then Switch is your favorite. Go with that. I also do love the PS4 because it's got some yeah. good games too. Where my favorite games are so scattered over different consoles because that, that's what matters. Yes, because if I had to pick nitpick, I prefer the controller to the PS3. Why? Because it's lighter and I have tiny little hands. Hmm. And so the PS4 remote, too big and too heavy. And I know the 5 is going to be even worse. But the Switch, as much as I like it, sometimes it's a little too long this way and it hurts my wrist. Yeah. So, like, I have nitpicks with every console, so what matters most to me is the games. And I, some of my favorite games are on PS4, some of my favorite games are on Switch, some of my favorite games are on Super Nintendo. Yeah. So that's why now, but if I had to pick out of the ones I've owned, I will say, I guess, the Switch. Cool. All right, we have, we've got two topics left to discuss. We'll try to go through these quickly because our last one will probably eat up a little bit more time. Uh, our next topic is upcoming games that we are excited for. As you guys know, we're on the sort of cusp of the next generation, the uh, Xbox Series X and the uh, PlayStation 5, and we just thought we would discuss some of the ones we're looking forward to. I know for me, the one I'm looking forward to mostly that is the closest to coming out is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, as mentioned earlier, I love the Norse Viking setting. Uh, I'm a big fan of the good Assassin's Creed games. We've gotten some bad ones, but on the whole, I think most of them are good. Um, uh, Black Flag and Origins, up to this point, are my favorites. Again, as good as they did on the first one, I'm, I'm looking very forward to seeing how they take this story forward, the gameplay elements, the just what can be introduced and where we can go from here. Uh, then my last couple that are immediate is Resident Evil 8, as I mentioned in my Resident Evil 7 discussion. Um, I th it, it's interesting for me to see this new direction mixed with the old Resident Evil that we know. It has the potential to be great. It has the potential to really backfire. I'm hoping it's great. So that's one that I'm very excited to see. Uh, and then my last couple, I'm also a giant Harry Potter fan, so I'm looking forward to the Harry Potter RPG that uh, just the trailer just came out a few days ago. Um, that looks interesting. I don't know too much about it yet. I know it's supposed to take place in the 1800s. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be an MMORPG, like an online type of thing, or if it's a single player. I'm not really sure, so I'm interested to see where that goes. And then my final one, uh, all I know is it's supposed to come out sometime in 2121, is the God of War uh, Ragnarok sequel, which, as mentioned before, that's like my second favorite game of the generation, so I am waiting in, in, in high anticipation to see what they're going to do. I really hope Thor is the main antagonist. I'd love to see what they do with that. The God of War franchise is so good at taking these gods and making them the antagonists in a really smart, good way. Yeah, so that's the stuff coming up I'm looking forward to. What about you? Well, you mentioned a few that I'm looking forward to, like Resident Evil Village. Mm -hmm. I play every Resident Evil game that comes out. Mm -hmm. I am a huge survival horror fan. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little 
hesitant when it comes to this one because it looks like there's like witches and like I think there was a, I think yeah that's why like I said it, it, or something. It, this one has a lot of potential to not be good it has there's so much against it I think they're juggling a lot here so I think it's either going to be great or it's going to be horrible I don't think it's going to be middle of the road I just don't like that they're adding like supernatural kind of elements because mm -hmm. this I mean don't get me wrong I love vampires and witches yeah. and but Resident Evil has always been kind of like scientific Oh, we created a virus, and now this virus has turned me into, like, a, a monster. So, like, I'm curious. We'll just see where that goes. Also, in the trailer, is that his story finally comes to a close. And if they kill Ethan off, that's great. I really don't care. But if they kill Chris, I'm going to riot in the streets. Do not kill Chris. But, like you said, uh, Horizon Forbidden West, because that was amazing. Have you seen the new stuff that they're working on? Like, uh, the graphics are going to be fantastic. There's Crash 4. Yeah, that's one I forgot to mention. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We'll have to pick that up. Then, I don't know if you know about this, Outlast is getting another one. The Outlast Trials. It's getting a, I think it's technically a prequel, if I think correctly. Oh, no, that's cool, because we, uh, we, that was when we played last Halloween was Outlast, and it, it was great. It was really good. And Lord of the Rings. I didn't know about that. Now, it, that is really cool. I'm kind of interested, but it's mm -hmm. also kind of a stealth game. Yeah. I'm not the best at stealth games, but I think it'd be fun. Mm -hmm. And then obviously there's Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. I've never played any of those games, unfortunately. Yeah. I've always wanted to. This one's coming to the Switch. So I'm, it's an RPG. It's a vampire RPG. Like, come on, it was yeah. made for me. So, and then the last one is Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, that's another one I'm interested to see. It's made by the same people that made uh, Witcher 3. Yeah. So Bethesda. No. And the world ends. No. Um, there's been a lot of stuff going around about what this means for the Elder Scrolls 6 and future uh, Elder Scrolls games going forward. Don't forget Fallout. Will, yeah, Fallout. Will they become Xbox exclusives? And people are just losing their minds. Um, well, the thing is, you and I, we're not the biggest Xbox fans, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's no way I'm not, not like, against I own, it. Own, yeah, I owned, I owned an Xbox 360. Uh, I, I have nothing against it. I'm not one of those people that's like best. Anyone who thinks differently is stupid. It, it's just for me, I just prefer the PlayStation consoles. I, I just like them more. But mm. I'm just saying, if the Elder Scrolls 6 is a Microsoft exclusive, they they got us because I will buy an mm. Xbox for that game. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm on the other side. I honestly don't think they will. Because while I think on the surface a lot of people might think, well, sh they're probably going to want to get a hold of that so they can get more, you know, people on the Xbox camp. I just personally don't think they will. I mean, they may, who, who knows. But where The Elder Scrolls is such a big series and they know that it's got devout fans on all consoles already, to then suddenly take that away from a large portion of the console users... I, I think that would have severe backlash. I think um, people, they get a lot of death threats probably because that's what everybody loves doing now. But I, I think it would be a lot of bad PR and just make a big media circus and I don't know if they want that. But I, I don't know. That's just what I think. Honestly, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they wait and see and if the Xbox mm -hmm. doesn't sell very well. Yeah, then maybe they do. Then maybe they'll do it and be like, now you're forced is, to buy it. Well, because the thing is, we are still probably so far away from that because I know the stuff they showed a little bit ago was just kind of early engine test footage type stuff. Um, they're probably quite some ways away from finishing the Elder Scrolls 6. I'm not going to lie, what makes me worry is what kind of shape was Bethesda in to need to be bought out? And did Microsoft just come along and offer this and it was just too good of an offer to refuse? Or was Bethesda really 
close to going under. Well, I do know they're having some issues. They were talking about their engine. It has a lot of, like, bugs they need yeah. to work out. And Which, like, that, that's another problem with the Elder Scrolls. They've been using the same busted-ass uh, engine and stuff for years. And while I love their games, Decades. every Bethesda game is buggy as hell. And there's been mm -hmm. so... The last, like, kind of across-the-board good thing they did, and even it had tons of bugs, was Skyrim. Um... Everything they've done since with um, Fallout 76 and all that, they, there's been so much kind of bad press created around Bethesda and the stuff they've done lately that it, it does make me kind of worried for the game. I, if something bad ends up happening there while I love the Elder Scrolls series, since I have kind of moved on to Witcher being my number one RPG, I'm to the point where I can live without it. Like, but what? I still want to play it. Yeah, but um, I, I just don't know. It's, it's the kind of thing that... I want to stay hopeful and positive, but it just, it, it gives me a lot of worry for the oh, future. Yeah. And not just because, I, it's not that I don't think Microsoft can do it. It's just, I, I again, it makes me worry if they were in that bad shape already, you know, how's, how's the game going if they're doing that? Well, all I know is, I th from what I heard, I think they shelved it because Starfield, mm -hmm. is that what they Yeah, Starfield was they the next that one they were, first. yeah. Because, see, that's another thing is how how involved is Microsoft going to be? Are they just the guy that writes the check? Are they just the people behind it? Are they taking active creative control? See, there's so many different ways this could all go that could mean a multitude of different things. So it's one of those kind of wait-and-see things. All the people getting, like, their butt hairs in a twist about it and really freaking out, I think, is very immature. It's like, j just calm down, wait and see what happens. Yeah, you know, just, just wait and see. Like... There's a lot of ways it can go. The thing is, as long as it's good, I don't care. Like I said, yeah. if I have to, I love the Elder Scrolls so much, mm -hmm. I will buy an Xbox. Yeah, so it, it's that kind of, you know, it's kind of thing. So, But uh, that's all the points we had for this episode. Uh, is there anything you want to add? Not really. I think we're good. All right. I think we covered it. Uh, I think this episode went a little bit smoother. We were much more concise this time. We got a little bit better footing for what we're doing here. So <laughs> that is going to wrap it up for this episode. We hope you guys tune in next week. We will be putting out a new podcast every Friday. If you're listening to us on YouTube, please comment, like, and subscribe. And we hope you guys have a lovely day. We will see you next time. Bye.